Hello, listener, and welcome to Good Copy, Bad Copy, the B2B copywriting podcast. This is episode 91, when we reveal this year's 10 best pieces of B2B marketing content as voted by you. My name's David McGuire, I'm Creative Director at Radix Communications, and here to run the rule over the contenders, I am joined by not one, not two, not even three, but four B2B marketing experts, and my goodness, what a panel we have for you. All the way from Chicago, we have the VP of Marketing at Community Brands, Maureen Blandford. Happy to be here. How's your year been, Maureen? It's been a weird old year, hasn't it? Right, same as same as everyone's, David. You know, wretched and glorious. <laughs> oh God! Uh, and next, we have the former head of writing at Velocity Partners, now a freelance B two B writer, tech marketing consultant, general gun for hire, Harry Kapoor. Harry, hi, welcome. Um, so yeah, been kind of a, a big year for me. Um, yeah, yeah. All change. I, just, I felt like you know I looked around and I thought pandemic, recession. This feels like a good time to lose my only stable source of income, and uh, so I just took a plunge. I, uh, I, you know, I did it for. I, I worked in an agency for many, many years. You know uh, as well as anyone, mm-hmm. David, that working in an agency is insane, um, and at some point you're gonna feel like not doing that anymore. So. Felt like taking the plunge, felt like a stupid enough time to do it. Um, felt like everything else was falling apart. Why not throw it all away? And uh, <laughs> yeah, looking forward to the future. Um, so yeah, happy to be here. Joining us from Denmark, we have Dan Fosses, senior copywriter and content marketing consultant, Lasse Land. Hey. Hey, David. Hey, everyone else. Good to be here. Yeah. Hi. Lasse, what I wanted to ask you about is... Mm. Um, you guys really pivoted this year, right? You did this whole Big Cooling time. United Live thing from scratch. Wow. What was that about? Well, you can imagine Denfoss is a kind of a legacy company. So a lot of, uh, you know, trade show, you know, in-person sales kind of situations. And when all of that kind of went poof, then everybody looked at marketing and said, hey, you guys are familiar with digital, right? Yeah. All right, let's do a, a two-day online uh, conference live streaming the works, interactions between sales teams and customers, all in this virtual setting. So uh, yeah, my June to October, I basically didn't sleep because usually you'd take like a year to plan this stuff out, right? We pulled it together in just a few months. Oh my goodness. Um, it was great. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really good event. Um, yeah. And uh, finally, last but by no means least, we have the head of marketing for Turtle and the undisputed <laughs> queen of the spoof marketing song, Carla Rivershaw. Hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> Carla, where do you get the idea for, uh, for these songs? There's songs about B2B content on guitar, ukulele, all sorts of things. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, I've always been quite a musical person. And I think as we will all understand working in B2B marketing, it can be quite a frustrating business. <laughs> and um, I think for me, it's kind of an outlet really to get my frustrations out. So I know one of my favorite people um, who happens to be on this podcast today, Maureen, she loves a good rant if you get her on stage. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm almost channeling Maureen um, through these songs. So <laughs> I support that. <laughs> wow. Maureen and a ukulele is the combination the internet's been asking for. I think. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely it is. 
We will have to remember to put a, a, a link to some of Carla's songs in the uh, in the show notes. Thank you, guys. Thank you for, for joining us. What a, a great panel. Uh, in many ways, I think of you as the ABBA of B2B marketing. Listener, make <laughs> <laughs> of that what you will. Listener, we are recording this in a distanced way. I mean, 4,000 miles of distance in Maureen's case. So the audio might not be quite what you'd expect if we were in the studio, but do stick with us. We are about to reveal the best B2B content of the year. If you disagree with the vote, or if you think we've missed something, by all means, let us know about it. Send us your abuse uh, either by email, podcast at radix-communications.com or on the Twitter. R-A-D-I-X-C-O-M, Radix.com. Mm, those are strangely festive. Uh, later, we'll be asking our experts for their tips or predictions for 2021, but... Let's not delay any longer. It's time to get into this. A couple of episodes ago, we started our search for 2020's best examples of B2B marketing content. And oh my goodness, friends and colleagues, you did not disappoint. We've turned those nominations into a shortlist and literally hundreds of people have voted. If that was you, thank you. We have never had a response like it. In a moment, we're going to reveal what you voted as this year's best B2B content. Panel, it has been a strange old year, hasn't it? I mean, do you think that's been reflected in the, the content that we've seen? I guess, uh, I guess I was a little surprised that I didn't see more like live streaming and like interactive uh, style content uh, reflected in the, in the shortlist because, I mean, at least in our world, in, in the engineering world, uh, we saw so much of that crop up, right? So many people moving to these these online conferences like Cooling United Live, which we did, and and uh, so many people taking to to YouTube or to LinkedIn Live and to these other places to really engage with people in real time, or even setting up Zoom calls like we're in here and now. And so, uh, looking through the lists, you know, seeing seeing reports and seeing you know some really creative twists on things and some traditional commercials. Um, I mean, that's about what I would expect on a list, right? Mm. But uh, if you're speaking specifically to 2020 as a year when like everything went digital because everybody was stuck at home, I guess I would have expected a few more pieces on there. I guess I could have submitted some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, I guess if people have a, uh, an, an idea of someone asks them what's the best piece of content, mm. You know, they probably think of a thing yeah. rather than an, an, an event or something. So it might have been the way the way that we that we. But I, I think there's something. I, I think you put your finger on something there, um, last year. I don't think it's just in the world of engineering. I think it's been everywhere really this right. year. Is that I think the the kind of standout brands and personalities, at least in our weird little neck of the woods, um, I think have been the ones who went direct. Um, just through social, whatever. I, some of the examples I'm thinking of are Ryan Peterson from Flexport. Um, they just had a whole bunch of, um, of freights that could uh, carry a bunch of things. So they transported a whole bunch of masks to people. And it was just this really direct, hey, we're trying to help. Mm. You know a guy? Do you know where we could get masks? We need to talk to a guy. Give, send us the thing. And it was this very... Um, uh, you could really tell which brands were really on the front lines versus mm. which ones were kind of just saying stuff. Um, and I don't just mean, I think, in terms of 
responding to, you know, getting the masks and that kind of thing. I also think just in terms of operational cadence, like in terms of the businesses that kept going, that kept putting out new features, new products, mm-hmm. um, in spite of an insane year, um, uh, I, I, I think there's... Um, the the brand relationships that were good going into this year, um, depending on how how brands uh, kind of performed this year and, and the the, mm. the way they uh, the kind of output they were capable of this year, um, I think they've either come out with much stronger relationships or they're just some other company that puts stuff out. Um, yeah. I think there was a, a real focusing of the mind <laughs> um, in terms of um, buyers certainly. Uh, this year. So I think this is an excellent point, uh, Lasa, that you have highlighted here. And what I keep telling my organization is um, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking and screaming to not do a live event because I think we haven't figured it out yet. That's why I think we're not seeing it. It's hard. Um, if you look at even Dreamforce um, and Benioff's um, keynote this last week, Salesforce hasn't figured it out. If you've ever seen a Benioff keynote, it was basically a Benioff keynote outside, you know, with his guests that were like 10 feet away. Like our, we are still stuck in the mindset of taking our live events and broadcasting them. And people have not figured it out yet. And that's why I think we're not seeing it. I'm dying for someone to figure it out because I haven't. But you guys, you guys at at Community Brands, I mean, you had to pivot super quick right i mean for those for those that that don't know a, a, a lot of the the customers and and the business in maureen's world is you know they're, they're charities who are f- running fundraising events you know and suddenly they've had their legs just taken out from underneath them and what maureen's team did was in no time just spun up a load of okay you need to change everything quick here's how you do that i mean it was you know really like how quickly did you get that stuff done? I mean, that was fast, right? Yeah, so one of us talked about, I mean, March and April and May were like 15-hour days, six days a week, you know? Mm. And mm. we went from doing uh, one webinar, which was pretty successful, like thousands of registrants a month, um, to doing live customer success webinars every week. So we stood up a live program every week. Um, it wasn't visually sexy, But where it was compelling was we had customers every week talking about how they pivoted, how they met their goals or exceeded their goals, um, supported by us. But, you know, so that was that's been an effective program, but still webinars. You know. Sure. And Carla, at, um, at at Turtle, obviously, you kind of get a quite a view of, of the kinds of stuff that people are publishing. Um, because you know what, what they're using the the platform for, I, I guess. I mean, have you seen things change much this year, or is that something you think will roll out more in twenty twenty one? I would definitely agree with what everybody's been saying in terms of um, people haven't maybe been innovating as much as we would probably like to see. And I think there's definitely quite a big distinction between what's been going on in the B two C world compared to B two B. I think in B two C these brands have been a bit braver in terms of what they've been doing and they're a lot more experimental in terms of connecting with their audiences. Whereas I think we have been playing a bit safer in the B2B world. And generally the feedback that I get from our customers is either we're just doing the same thing we do every year. You know, we're not, we're not radically changing our strategy 
or alternatively, they're being incredibly reactive in terms of what they're putting out there. Mm. Um, but I haven't seen many examples of like extremely innovative content marketing this year, which is very much in line with what's going on in the world mm. around us. Yeah, it's strange. It might be, again, might be something where people feel that they more have time to think about that or do something about that next year. Mm -hmm. Anyway, are you ready to find out places 10 to 6 on our list? Very excited. Absolutely. Okay, let's go for it. We start with three pieces of content that have tied for 10th place. In joint 10th place is Zero Accounting Software with their funny video called Simplify Paperwork, Capture Bills and Receipts in a Snap. This was nominated by Lisa Woodruff here at Radix Communications. My favourite B2B content for 2020 is a video by Zero, which is um, accounting software for small business users. Uh, it's an ad that's great because it addresses the pain that a lot of sole traders feel spending lots of time doing their paperwork. <clears throat> and it shows a guy giving his invoices to a robot who tells him that he just needs to use Zero, which captures the bills and receipts and stores them automatically which gives them both free time to go off on an adventure. So you see them going off drinking beer, telling jokes, uh, having rides at the fun fair. It's, it's just a really fun short clip, but it actually works giving back people time when they don't have it. That's why I love it. Harry? Yeah, I, okay. Uh, love Zero as a company, a remarkable product. I think really important thing. I don't understand what this thing is of um, the robot. I think it's maybe a British advertising thing of having like a robot that's kind of, he's kind of a clunky looking robot and that's the charm of the robot, I guess. Um, I, guess I, I think confused.com does something as well. Why do people do that? What is that? I don't understand that. We, we love we love a funny robot. What can <laughs> yeah, I say? Yeah, and it's confusing yeah. to me because I think about like Zero as a product. It's such a compelling product. It's such oh, an exciting, interesting thing. Mm. And then the robot, I don't understand that. I don't understand it. Also joint 10th is Google with their insights on what board members say about the CMO off the record. This was nominated by Andrew Last, Managing Director at Harvard. He says... I nominate Think with Google for their industry insights on the role of the CMO. Fortune 1000 board members discussed the CMO role anonymously. They gave Google over 100,000 words of insights. Google then distilled them into one single paragraph. Great expectations. What the board wants from you. I mean, I think this is a good example of Google doing what they do best, which is just being smart and basically creating something out of, out of nothing. Um, so I, I thought it was quite interesting to kind of see how they did it. But I'm not sure that it really captured my attention that much. Like, I, I definitely didn't have the patience to read through everything. And I, I kind of felt like the way that they presented it, it was... Um, 
good in terms of like showing how they technically pulled this content together but it was also a little bit frustrating the experience because you had to like hover over to see what the text said behind the the marks and um so you know I didn't find it the most engaging experience to read but you know I, it kind of felt like Google just showing off and going look how clever we are <laughs> I mean to I'll pile on there too to that point I mean really from like the aesthetic look and feel of the page and how how smooth it flowed and everything it, it, it grabbed my attention initially right and I'm like oh this is really very interesting but then I, I think you nailed it right you start having to like click on all the different links and to, to unpack all the info and, and then very quickly I'm like eh, okay on to the next so one of the things I think okay. that is is compelling about this that I that I think is a nice example for marketers to see is some straight talk about the CMO so I'm always a fan of when we are when we are using words that everybody else in the world isn't using. Uh, and, and for me, that's a great lead, uh, irrespective of, of the, the content itself. And, and marketers, one thing, I, you know, I'm a fan of marketers and I stand up for marketers against all the faff in the market. Um, but one of the things I think marketers need to get better at are their leads. Um, so, I, so one of the things I really like about this is I think that's a great lead. Also joint tenth is CyberOff with their cybersecurity video called Meet the Bearded Babe. This was nominated by Giles Shorthouse, Head of Business Development and Marketing at Octopus Group, so you can blame Giles, not us. This one, I, 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 you can't unsee it, can you? Much as you wish you could. I Look, I, I, I'll tell you what. Um, I think the best ideas uh, sound weird, look strange, are confusing, scare everyone in the room. And but also the worst ideas have all those qualities as well. And I'm not saying this is the worst idea in the world, but like I admire <laughs> that they went for something and they tried something weird. Um, I don't get it. I don't get what the I mean, I'll tell you what, cybersecurity is a very weird industry. And uh, <laughs> this could do way better numbers in cybersecurity than like a really smart, here's a business case for or whatever. Um, and so uh, I, you know, for, for that audience, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't feel comfortable predicting what might work or what not. Um, certainly <laughs> admire um, an agency and a client going somewhere strange with stuff. Um, but uh, God, I really wish I was like part of that briefing process. Just like, you know, like what were the conversations? And then, You'd love to be a fly on the wall, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought, I mean, it definitely captures your attention. There's no denying that. Um, I think that potentially it could have worked if they had kept it really short and snappy, but I think it was like three minutes long or something. I probably watched it for the first minute and then I just thought, I don't really know what's going on here. Um, and I'm really not that interested and it's just weird. So I stopped watching it, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think there's potential there, but it just, it was just, it was too much and too long. It's I think it, it it got votes. I mean, I think it's Marmite. Yeah. I think you said something about mind bleach, David. Yes, you know, I saw needing a little bit of that. <laughs> I think so. In joint eighth place is the B2B Institute at LinkedIn with their 2030 Trends Report. Hi, it's Russ Powell here, founder and MD of Sharper B2B Marketing. For me, I think the best piece of B2B content I've seen this year is the 2030 Trends Report from the B2B Institute at LinkedIn. 
I think it's great because it backs up a lot of the stuff that we've been saying to clients about the long-term approach needed for B2B marketing. But it also provides a few different ideas and stuff that really made me think around um, targeting and, and personalization as well. So I think it's a fantastic piece of research. It's going to be a really useful report that we can use to build into strategies and build into approaches for, for clients and for ourselves um, for, for the, next, uh, the next decade. So yeah, the 2030 B2B Trends Report from the B2B Institute at LinkedIn. Uh, excellent, excellent piece, excellent report. Um, I thought really well-written um, uh, piece. LinkedIn, the, the Binton Field uh, report they put out earlier in the year as well, I think was, I mean, the most important thing I read this year, I think, as far as uh, B2B marketing is concerned. So, um, yeah, shout out LinkedIn, shout out to whoever wrote that piece. I think it was uh, Peter and John, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember the last names, but um, great report and well done. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's an excellent report. Uh, the data in there is just so valuable for B2B marketers and it really helps us to be able to justify what we're doing to our businesses. So, um, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of what B2B Institute um, put out. Um, I would say my only criticism is that it's uh, quite a bit of work to get through it. Like it's lengthy. It's maybe not the most visually compelling um, report to read. But um, I mean, you just you have to work through it because the data in there is fantastic. Yeah. And and Carla, I, I think what's really valuable to um, to B2B marketers and, and Turtle is also certainly excellent at this. But um, the, the B2B, the LinkedIn marketing solutions team, I think has done a great job over the, the last several years, starting with when, when Jason Miller um, joined them. Um, this type of research, especially when it's resonant and it's not, it's not junk and there's a lot of junk in the market, as we all know, um, is, is so helpful to those of us because we as marketers, we need insights to what other folks are doing. And the reason I'm saying all this is because I think Madison Avenue has um, kind of gaslit all of us into thinking stuff needs to be like super sexy and, you know, like cutting edge. And a lot of times just the black and white, you know, meaningful words on paper is really what um, is the most compelling. And so bravo them for doing that. Also join 8th is Monday.com with a video called I Built a Cookie Machine to Motivate People at Monday.com. It Didn't Work. This is nominated by Doug Kessler, Creative Director at Velocity Partners. Hi, Radix. My favorite piece of B2B content for 2020 is I Built a Cookie Machine to Motivate People at Monday.com and It Didn't Work. And it's a YouTube video and it starts like this. There is an engagement crisis. I have the solution and it involves cookies. It's a machine that delivers cookies to people's desk whenever a project's completed on monday.com. It's funny, it's relevant, it's funny, and it's funny. <laughs> and I like it. 100% agree with that. I mean, I, I actually really like this piece. It was fun and offbeat. And again, who hasn't tried to motivate themselves with treats at work? So super relevant. <laughs> I kind of like the kind of mockumentary style of it it's yeah. you know it's a it's a funny b2b video but not in the way that you're used to exactly i think if there's one criticism you can level at it is maybe just taking the concept and stretching it a little too long right they could mm. have communicated it in a, in a little bit shorter form but uh but overall i really i thought this I one was, that fun. was a, a, 
a recurring theme, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Monday.com just generally. Um, we at Turtle, my team, we're always looking to see what those guys are up to because they just have the most creative ideas and just a, such a fun way of marketing themselves. And I think this year they've been incredibly timely in terms of the stuff they put out there. Like I remember in March, I'm, I'm not sure if we'd even gone into lockdown yet or it was literally like the day lockdown happened and they already had a video they were putting out there about um, remote working and it was brilliant. And I don't know if it was that, you know, they were creating this anyway and it just happened to coincidentally be timed perfectly or they just were able to respond really fast, but it was fantastic. And um, this particular one, I just thought it was hilarious and I could totally... Um, yeah, it just it just resonated because I am very guilty of motivating myself through food, and I would love to have one of those <laughs> machines. So, <laughs> in seventh place is Bottom Line Technologies with their horror themed quiz called "Think These Five AP Opportunities Are Myths." Think again. My nomination for the best B2B content of 2020 is a horror-themed assessment quiz by Bottom Line Technologies. It takes quite a boring subject, AP Opportunities, and turns it into a fun, engaging and interactive piece of content marketing featuring lots of mythical creatures. Plus, it's a little bit weird, so it's right up my street. You know what? Again, I'm just I'm I'm here for that lead. So it, um, so I'm over a nonprofit um, division, half of which is um, which is nonprofit fundraising technology. The other half is accounting solutions for nonprofits. Super sexy. Um, so what I just love is anyone taking um, you know finance folks like being a little modern for them and and having some fun because they deserve it too. Uh, so, so I applaud just kind of the zeitgeist of this um, as directionally, I think, resonant for the for their targets. Yeah, I'm 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 here for classic geekery. You know, I'm uh, I'm here for that. I did appreciate UFOs, unidentified finance opportunities. I thought those are right. well <laughs> spotted. It's a real phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> In sixth place is Apple with a seven-minute video story called the whole working from home thing. Hi, my name's Emily King. I'm senior writer and editor for Blue Fruit Software. My favorite piece of B2B content for 2020 is a video from Apple called the whole working from home thing. It's this almost seven minute long video detailing this team all working from home, obviously, trying in our present times to get a product idea sorted in time uh, to pitch it. And it's got this whole kind of chaotic and human and relatable energy about it. Um, the characters are characters they previously used before in videos in, uh, during 2019. But it was just a joy to watch. And um, it's perhaps one of the few pieces of content this year that relates to the events that we've had going on that didn't make me want to pull my hair out. So good, excellent. Um, such a great idea to hire that whole cast back. Um, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't assume that people are going to remember people from a commercial or whatever. But like, as soon as that thing starts, you're like, oh my god, is it the same? And <laughs> which is uh, mm. such a lovely thing to have in an ad. So yeah, excellent. I mean, just in incredibly relatable, right? I mean, all of us in that mm. situation. I mean, the the dad 
right? Juggling his kids while he's trying to put together reports or do whatever, make decisions. I mean, I, I really felt for him because I've been going through the same thing, right? You're just juggling the, the whole family work uh, dynamic over the last few months when you're all crammed in the house together and you can't leave. Yeah, and it's another one that's like, it's longer than it shouldn't work because it's so long. Yeah, really. But it kind of, but it kind of does. They pull you in with the characters. They they actually have like a narrative. Yeah. You end up rooting for this team that's trying to overcome a, a challenge despite all the hurdles that are continuously thrown at them. So, yeah, they did manage to to pull us in. What place did Apple get here? Sixth. So high five to one through five for coming in ahead of Seriously. Apple. Seriously, I know, right? budgets. <laughs> I, I raise my glass to them. Absolutely. We'll, we'll come up with those and reveal who those are in a, uh, in a moment. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've got to say with this Apple thing, the, th the other thing that I like about it is that at the start of all of this, I mean, you know, the pandemic is a serious thing. And the idea of doing something funny at the moment is you know, is a bold move. And I kind of think that they've got the tone right. They've kind of tapped into the kind of bizarre ennui of working from home without making light of the cause of all of it. It's just the reality of what people find themselves in, and you know, which is something that is a really hard balance to achieve, I think. I think um, Apple and Monday.com, one of the things they have done really well here is they're kind of tapping into that emotional brain, you know, which B2B brands struggle with so much. You know, it's um, it's all about logic and, you know, rationally trying to convey messaging, whereas um, both Apple and Monday.com, they, they've just done this really great job of doing something which which is fun and creates this emotional connection between you and the brand. And, um, you know, this is something which I'd love to see more B2B brands do in the future. And, and, and may I say, high five to Carla, because look at the budget Apple has and likely Monday.com has, which I've never even heard of them. So I'm, I'm so glad to know them and I'll be watching. <laughs> but, but when you look at what's, what Carla has done with her songs, which the, the points you just made, Carla, about the emotional connection and about the brand and blah, blah, blah. So like we can do that without this budget as well. Um, but we just, we just need the time to kind of have the brain space, which, which can be hard on teams and organizations that have insane expectations. But it's, it's why, Carla, what you've done with your, with, your, with your songs that is just so remarkable. Oh, thanks, Maureen. Yeah, um, it definitely, definitely, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, though. It is about having that space to be able to think about these things, which I, mm. I rarely do have. But, um, you know, and I think we do struggle with that in B2B marketing quite a bit, which is why you end up really only seeing the brands like Apple, like Monday.com that have these big budgets and can afford to pay agencies to do the brainstorming for them. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, if we all had a bit more space, I think we could probably come up with some incredibly creative ideas. So do you guys want to find out the five companies that have beaten Apple in this list? Are you ready? That's a lead <laughs> right there, definitely. don't you think? <laughs> okay, well, what we're going to do now, let's count down from five to two. In fifth place is Turtle, with their blog post and presentation called Spock versus Homer and the Psychology of Personalization. Hi, my name is Joel Harrison. I'm Editor-in-Chief of B2B Marketing. 
So I nominated Spock versus Homer content piece for Radix's uh, competition to find the best B2B content marketing because it was just so joyful. It explained something which was really complex um, in a really, really human way, in a way that we could all relate to. Um, and, and just and that's exactly what the essence of great B2B marketing was. So it just made me laugh. I loved it. Um, and you can't get better than that. <laughs> well done, Carla. Do you want to tell us a bit about how this came about? I guess it's the it's some of that psychology stuff that you were just talking about, right? Yeah, literally. Um, so, I, I, to be honest, I was quite surprised to see this piece nominated because it was um, off the back of a blog post we did based on a webinar we had done. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a complete surprise to see this in the list. But obviously, really happy to see it too. Um, and it's really all about how the the human brain responds to, you know, different things. And so we have um, sort of the left and the right brain or on the this webinar we did, one of our speakers said, you know, it was like breaking your brain into like the Homer brain and the Spock brain. So the Homer brain is highly emotional and basically just makes decisions based on just how they feel about something. Um, meanwhile, the Spock brain is very rational and makes decisions based purely on logic. And uh, the reality is, you know, particularly in B2B, as much as we like to think that we're these like hugely rational creatures, we're, we're simply not, you know, and when it comes to important decisions, which let's face it in B2B, decisions we make are very important because, you know, our potentially our careers could be on the line if we make a bad decision in what we're doing. Um, so we do end up making, um, you know, it is a very emotional um, way in which we make these decisions. And so basically this um, this blog post and this webinar was sort of looking at how we make those decisions and how that translates into the content that we produce so we're really tapping into that emotional brain I think it's like a, a it does a really nice job of taking the um, thinking fast and slow concept mm. and just kind of uh, but make but putting that into a way that's just much quicker to understand <laughs> like okay yeah I get it now um, you know, and, and just making that much more uh, engaging and I thought and calling it digestible. Spock versus Homer was such a smart thing. Like it just makes all of it is so much more interesting and compelling and memorable. And the kind of thing that then two people who've read it could talk to each other in those terms without feeling like, um, you know, feeling weird about themselves is just a very natural kind of conversation. I, I thought that was excellent. is Cognizant with their turtle report called After the Virus. Carla's on a bit of a roll here. This was nominated by Carla Rivershaw. Carla, do you want to tell us what you liked about it? Sure, yeah. I mean, I I really loved this piece when it came out uh, because, one, it was incredibly timely. I think they probably, it was maybe April that they published it. And it was just such a well-thought-out and researched piece of content where they were predicting what the next five years are going to be like for us. But they wrote it in a way that we were already five years into the future and this is basically what's happened in the world since COVID hit. And I don't know, I always love things where, you know, you're kind of imagining what the world is going to be like in the future. And obviously COVID was so new to us all when this was released and there was just so much uncertainty and fear. 
And uh, I just, I thought it was just a very beautifully written, uh, very compelling piece of content. And of course, to top it off, it was created in Turtle. So it looked very good as well. So, um, <laughs> yes. So it was, um, yeah, I, I was, I, I was, and I, I still am a very big fan of it. Yeah, I hadn't appreciated fully that it was published so quickly. I mean, that's quite bold to go out and make you know because the themes in it you know are so they make such big claims about how covid will change the world i think you know some people are just getting to grips with that stuff now kind of eight and nine months later you know mm-hmm. um and, and making yeah. those those big sweeping predictions so early is a, a bold thing to do uh, my personal taste, I guess, I don't know. Um, I, I think I like Carla's work more than her nomination. Um, <laughs> um, uh, just generally with the, like, predicting five years on from, from this whole thing. I mean, I, I really I really do hope that if there's one lesson every human being on planet Earth takes uh, from this year, it's that it's real hard to predict stuff. Um, it's, it's real goddamn hard That's to predict true. stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it's... Someone, I really hope someone documents somewhere all the things we expected to happen in 2020. Um, so I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit allergic to, like, uh, it, especially in a year like this, uh, any kind of uh, imagination of what might happen, even though I, I think you're right, Carla, that it is really well-researched, the piece. Um, and they have really put a lot of thought into it. Um, I just have a kind of natural aversion to, like, um, it's blasphemy or like it's a shaman he's telling me a lie I don't know I just have the, that's how I react to predictions now um, <laughs> even when the, the banal ones like Gartner says 60% of people will use telephones in the future like even those ones I feel like eh so <laughs> personal thing <laughs> wow Harry taking us yeah. out of 2020 on a real high there aren't you <laughs> <laughs> 2020 has made pessimists of us all <laughs> yeah well I mean even even being pessimistic I think is a bit presumptuous um, why not? Why, <laughs> suddenly, the rest of might be amazing. I really have no idea where anything is going to go. So. <laughs> it only gets better from here. Yeah. <laughs> Here's hoping. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's, it's uh, I'm a little bit allergic to stuff with predictions in it uh, nowadays. But at the same time, I should say, um, credit to the guys at Cognizant for coming up with a slightly different way of packaging um, uh, predictions mm. and uh, claims about the future. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and also for the, the whole heck of a lot of research that went into it, um, as Carla pointed out. Yeah, and I think also when, you know, when you're in a company that's that huge, finding the, you know, the will and the sign-off to just do something that different. That yeah, early. to do something to do something odd is is so much harder um, mm. in a business like that. So credit to them. In third place is the Nationwide Children's Hospital with their podcast for pediatricians titled Pediacast. This one was nominated by Kerry O'Shea Gorgon at Marketing Pros. Pediacast CME with Dr. Mike is just a fantastic resource for providers. So I listened to Dr. Mike when he did Pediacast for Moms and Dads, and when it turned out that healthcare providers for children were also listening to it, he realized there was a need there to do something more specifically for the provider audience. So I just love that he took the time to do it, to help physicians, nurses, physicians assistants, pharmacists, social workers, dentists, and just everybody who serves children uh, in the healthcare capacity. 
and he does such a nice job. He has such a nice, I know they call it like a bedside manner for doctors. I don't know what they call it for podcasters, but uh, whatever it is, Dr. Mike is great. And I'm so excited Pediacast CME has made the top 10. I'm so pleased that this is uh, top three. Like this is this is the kind of content that I really feel like B2B marketers should pay more attention to, where it's just someone just felt like doing it and they did it and they didn't, it wasn't perfect and they figured it out as they went along the way and they just kept going. I, this guy, Dr. Mike, I, I love this kind of person. Um, uh, and every once in a while you get to work with a company where like someone's in there and like they're just making content. They don't care what the approval processes are. They're just kind of going out and, and putting stuff out and really interacting with other human beings and making something and making a real connection there. So um, awesome. This I'm so pleased this is in our top three. Yeah, and, and it's that kind of nice thing where it's really, it's really, really super niche and it's talking to the audience in the language that, that they understand but in a way that's still engaging and, and, and accessible, you know, for, you know, they have dentists that read it and social workers and that, and that kind of thing. Plus, like, it comes with, like, professional development accreditation if you listen to it. <laughs> like, you can actually earn points towards your professional accreditation just by listening to a podcast. Like, that's, that's crazy. And I, for one, know... A heck of a lot more about acute flaccid myelitis than I did when I than I ever wanted to know, frankly. Ragger. <laughs> I know. So cool, and it's got like little, uh, it's got little like jazz interludes and all, 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 all <laughs> kinds of. At number two is Megan Rose with her blog post titled. Looking for examples of great content and tone of voice? This was nominated by Andre Spiteri, director and chief copywriter at Maverick Words. He says, This is amazing. It's a bit meta, granted, as it's by copywriters for copywriters, but I think it's a fab one for the swipe file. I, I have something Anyone? to say, but I don't think it's a nice thing to say, so I'm not saying it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just going to say, I, I think he's right. It is a bit better. And I'm generally, I don't know. If that's the brief, if the brief is like, if anyone works in marketing, drinks or juice, go get them. Uh, then maybe that's, then you're winning the brief. But I don't know, generally the meta stuff, I'm not, um, I'm a little averse to it. See, I think that, you know, that it's a thing that even if, though it's, by copywriters for copywriters. I mean, you know, certainly what we found at, at, at Radix is, you know, if you put stuff out in the world that's about how to write well, people who care about good writing will be drawn to you. You know, some of those will be your colleagues and competitors, and and some of them will be, for example, marketers who really really care about about good writing and, and things like that. And, and you know, and this was one that got a. Um, you know, a real groundswell of, of support and love in the voting, um, you know, from, and you could see all over social media, you know, other other writers who were sort of appreciating it. Plus, you know, a lot of the examples were really funny. And I, I should say, it's it's an amazing thing. If you've, if you've made an ad and you, like people are walking up to it and taking pictures of it and sending to, to each other, that's an amazing, I think people track that metric, but that's awesome. So, mm. um, sure. And it kind of, it goes again, you know, it shows the, uh, obviously, you know, the voting is, um, you know, it, it's just there for, for everyone. But um, it, it again shows that, you know, a freelance copywriter with a blog 
can get more votes than Apple. <laughs> in, this, in, this, in this case, it just shows that you know, in a set, you know, the B two B content is a level playing field in some respects. You know, yeah, that's so true. If you've put something out there that people value, that's really all that matters. Uh, is you know, because often budgets, constraints, other things. Um, you know, when, when we're looking at these examples, some of them are more aesthetically pleasing or have higher production values than others. And I, and I, and, and sometimes the super simple, um, and, you know, like look at the visual for the, the pediatrician guy, like, you know, looks like it's from 1987, but if it's effective to the, to the folks that he's, he's interacting with, like, bravo. Yeah. And in, in fact, I actually think that the uh, it looking less slick and less like a marketing department worked really hard uh, last night to make it makes such a big difference mm. because all that's happening is Dr. Mike did a nice thing uh, and he recorded it. That's all that happened. <laughs> and that's that's, I think, the thing that, that really matters. Well, and the interesting mm. thing in B2B and um, particularly in pharma, but in, in medical, um, it, it, one of the things I learned probably 15 years ago was it actually angers the medical community when pharma is selling to them to have these slicks. And often if they were going to share it with colleagues, these super expensive slicks, they'd photocopy so they could give it to people in black and white. And in fact, salespeople would often photocopy the marketing stuff just to be able to give it straight to the doctors. And that is, I think that's a really great lesson for all of us to keep in mind is how does the market want to receive the thing um, as opposed to what might win you an award? Cool. So we've done 10 down to two. We have one to go. So let's give some honorary mentions to, 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 to the ones that weren't voted into the top 10. Surprisingly for me, McKinsey. These eight charts show how COVID-19 has changed B2B sales forever. Profit well. COVID basically doesn't exist in B2B SaaS. And LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, an interactive video content experience for B2B marketers. Surprisingly for me, none of those made the top end of the the voting. I thought there were some pretty interesting examples there. I, I'm really sad that the LinkedIn, uh, the interactive marketing uh, journey was not as part of it, because I just think anything that's interactive just automatically gets a little bit of a kick up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe maybe it's because I play too many video games in my spare time, but just the idea that you can tailor the experience based on the person's choice, right? Uh, I got a big kick out of going down that path and making the determinations along the way and seeing what other uh, what other uh, the other choices uh, were that were mm -hmm. available. And I also really liked how they even had like a counter in the video so you could see how long it was going to take you to get to the next choice. Mm. So I think LinkedIn did a, good, a really good job there creating something that felt, uh, that felt engaging. And I've always kind of liked the choose your own adventure route. Yeah. I've always felt like it had, it had potential. I thought the McKinsey stuff, uh, I was surprised that didn't come um, higher as well. Uh, as, alongside the, the 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 main nominated piece, there was another piece that they did for for kids about like fish farms and stuff, and it you know and it was just yeah really well thought, really well put together stuff. Now, listener, if you've been paying attention, you might have worked out what's been voted the best B two B content of twenty twenty. But just in case you haven't, let's crown them right now. 
officially, according to our voters. This year's winner of the best piece of B2B content is... XIQ, with their infographic called New Age B2B Marketing, Innovate or Die. Good morning. My name is Usman Sheikh. I'm CEO and founder of XIQ. We created this infographic to help our clients and prospects understand forces that are driving change in B2B sales and marketing, and also showcases AI-based technologies that sellers and marketers can use today to overcome some of these challenges that have been presented by and exasperated by this pandemic. Nominated by uh, Iman Malik, who's a client success and support manager at XIQ. And there's no rule against uh, nominating your, uh, your own stuff. I suppose it's one of those things that just comes along and is the right thing at the, the right time, guys. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, a, a, a sign of the times. I mean, it was interesting to see some of the data uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it seemed to be the right topic that, uh, that resonated with people in, uh, in 2020. Yeah, I was. I've got to. I've got to say, I was. I, I was surprised by it. I mean, I suppose it's something where, you know, because it's, um, you know, it's small. It's you know, it, it's easy to uh, to, to digest. Um, I guess that makes it uh, easy to vote for. I mean, there are so many um, other you know pieces of content that people have put so much into in the um, uh, in in the shortlist that it yeah it, it was it was kind of a, a surprise for me yeah I mean just kind of looking through it so um, one of the points they're making about uh, businesses need to retool their field marketing personnel uh, to content marketing and demand gen I think is an excellent point and and I don't know about mm. the rest of you um, but I haven't seen a lot of think pieces on on what happens to field marketing uh, in this era of, of extended uncertainty. So I think that's a really savvy thing to be highlighting. It's also so the core of the talent problem in marketing, I guess, for so many marketing teams, right? Like, that's really where the rubber, the rubber hits the road. So congratulations to XIQ and to uh, all of our nominees. I think across the list, you know, whatever order you you look at them in, there's some really great examples there. Um, and there you have it, the best content of uh, B2B in 2020 all wrapped up. Thanks again if you nominated or voted. Apart from you, Giles Shorthouse, that cyber off video is scorched into my brain forever. Uh, thank you, panel, for, uh, for joining in with us. Before I, I, I let you go, I, I would like to ask uh, each of you for one B2B content tip, or if you're feeling particularly bold, a prediction that our listener can take with them into 2021. Carla, what do you think? Well, I, I guess I don't know that it's necessarily anything 
groundbreaking, but I do think that personalization is going to play an increasingly important role going into next year. We've already seen that happen this year. And I think particularly given the state of the world, given the fact that we're having to do things virtually now, the fact that salespeople aren't able to have these face-to-face meetings and they're looking for other ways to be able to create more meaningful um, conversations and relationships with people. Um, Personalization is a really powerful way to do that. And You know, I think we haven't seen many examples in the nominees here um, of that personalization coming through. And I would hope that this time next year, when hopefully we're having this discussion again, um, we will see more examples of that because I really do believe that if we want to, again, tap into that emotional brain, um, we need to make people feel that the content we're putting out there is intended for them. So uh, that's that's what I will um, hopefully see more of next year. Lasha, what, what about you? I would say that uh, look for ways to make yourself more accessible to your customers. I mean, all throughout the whole COVID period, right, that we're still in, uh, what our customers really re- resonated with was this fact that, like, we put people, we put our experts front and center, we put them on live streams, and people would sit there for two and a half hours asking questions and just uh, engaging in a big way. And so, you know, just looking for those opportunities to get more people in your organization involved and to get on the front lines and to talk directly with customers, whether it is a live stream or whether it is a a closed call like this one. uh, I think there's some really, really exciting opportunities there. Harry, what about you? Well, um, just think about it. I I think this is the year really that push came to shove and we got to see um, uh, what people's priorities really were. Um, under the immense crunch, both of money for a lot of companies, but I think in terms of time as well, right? Like how much time do we have to do X? Everyone had to, to redo the math on that one this year. Um, and so uh, echoing a little bit uh, the Bennett and Field stuff that, that uh, LinkedIn's been putting out, um, I think uh, it's a very important thing at a strategic level just to think really clearly about what is the 60% that that a brand is going to spend on actual brand building that is accruing some sort of long-term gain from the activities as opposed to purely immediate sales activation um, things? Because I think um, my sense is, is that this year for most, uh, most of the B2B tech and, and just regular B2B organizations that uh, I encountered this year, I, f- I feel like the main challenge is about the opera- operationalization um, of lead generation, which is so important. But this bigger picture thing of brand building, of really what are we doing that people are going to think about three years from now, four years from now, five years from now, is such a scary question to answer for a million different reasons. Um, but I think if, if anything we should learn from this year, it's that the people who had good answers to that question um, really, really came out on top and the people who didn't, um, well, didn't. Um, so something to think about, I guess, um, going into the next year. And Maureen, no, no pressure. Finish the year off for us in style. Right. So one of the reasons why this exercise is so helpful to see what other folks are doing is because ads don't work and emails don't work. I mean, we're all recipients of the world's worst sales emails from all the companies in the world. And those sales emails are written by marketers and enablement and ads are written by marketers. Um, And they don't work because we're using shit words 
shite words. Um, we're using words that everyone else is using. Um, and so I was really looking at all of these nominees, like the cognizant lead, um, looking at ways that I can find really compelling phrases in a short amount of time to be able to connect with prospects and cu customers in a subject header, in an ad, in, in that preview copy. Um, because the bottom line is, if we don't get our foot in the door, we cannot build relationships. So yes to personalization and yes to just being more savvy with the words that we're using and less Try Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> I really love Maureen is such a pro that she realized she was on a British podcast. So she went, not shit, shite. <laughs> Just to clarify. I'm trying to stop yeah. using those words, but you know, I can't help it. They're part of my brand. Very, very on brand for Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you, guys. And that really is all we have time for, both for this episode and for this year. If you have thoughts, praise or abuse to send our way, or if you'd like to request a subject for a future podcast, you can contact us on email. Podcast at radix-communications.com Or on the Twitters. At radix.com That's R-A-D-I-X C-O-M. Thank you, uh, panel, for joining us. It has been um, it, it's been a blast. It's been so good to, to, to hear what you think. Uh, thank you, Carla. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Harry. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Lassa. Thanks so much, David. And thanks, Maureen. Pleasure. Until 2021, remember, when David Bowie knitted Bing Crosby a pom-pom, it wasn't just any pom-pom, it was a proper pom-pom. Goodbye! Goodbye. <laughs>